Hey, fellow Boundary Breakers, if your current delegation systems are not working to get you out of the day-to-day in your business, there is an exercise on our website that is the first step to get you out of the delegation catch-22. I'm going to throw the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and download. The other thing the Business Blueprint does is it vets any kind of future decisions that you have to make, and it vets any new ideas. And so what I tell clients is, you can use this now to bump ideas up against. Are you thinking of expanding into a new market? Are you considering some product development? Come up with those ideas or come up with those decisions and throw them into this business blueprint. Does it fit? If it doesn't fit, then you have to ask yourself, is it a good idea? Or is there a chance we might need to modify the business blueprint? Those are both okay answers. Welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer. I am the founder of She Sweet Boutique. With over 20 years of marketing and business management experience, I work with small businesses and female founders using our signature business blueprint. On the show, you get tools, advice, resources, support, and encouragement that resonates with the modern businesswoman. So, fellow Boundary Breakers, let's dive in. Hello, fellow Boundary Breakers, and welcome to episode five of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. This is the podcast that challenges you to forget stale, outdated, and inflexible business strategies and embrace a new way of achieving success that leaves room for your life in the process. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the business blueprint that I keep talking about. What is it and why do you need one? But first, would you be willing to do me a favor in order to help other female founders find this podcast, would you be willing to go out and give us a rating on whatever podcast platform it is that you're listening in on? It's going to help others find us who are looking for this particular type of content. I would be honored and forever grateful for that. The typical format for the Female Founders Breaking Boundaries podcast, if you're joining us for the first time, is to start by celebrating or uplifting some other female founder out there. Then we're going to tackle a topic that's probably of interest to you or other female founders. And we're going to close with some sort of current event or deep thoughts from yours truly. Hopefully there's some content in here that grabs your attention today. But first, before we dive into today's topic, let's talk about another female founder breaking boundaries. And today it's going to be May. And actually, it's really interesting that I am taping this episode on April 30th. So tomorrow it really is going to be May. So anyway, I'm talking about me today because something popped up in my Facebook memories this week that reminded me that this was my 10th anniversary of submitting my resignation to corporate America. I have not really celebrated this anniversary very often. And so when it popped up in my memories this week, I really kind of got all the feels because I was finally able to look back over the last 10 years and say, oh my God, (laughs) where was I then and where am I now? 
So anyway, I left corporate 10 years ago, right after I came back from maternity leave. And I don't think this is a very unique story because I think a lot of us have that same experience. But anyway, looking back over the last 10 years, I kind of reflected on, you know, what would I have done differently? And what would I have done the same? Because there are definitely some things I wish I would have done differently. Now, I want to be transparent and say, even though there's a few things I would have done differently, I don't think that I'd be where I am today without that that journey. I mean, I just think every entrepreneur will tell you that you have to go through it. You have to go through those learning experiences. But anyway, so here are five things that I would do differently after I left corporate and started my entrepreneurial journey. The first thing that I would do differently is to not waste money on things that don't matter. I mean, how many of us, are you raising your hand right now? How many of us, when we started our entrepreneurial journey, immediately invested in a website? How many of us thought we had to buy some sort of coaching package or join a mastermind or pay for lots of fancy creative? I'm guessing there's a laundry list of things out there that we as entrepreneurs in those first sorted days kind of felt like, well, I can't do anything if I don't have this. And what I found after years of doing this spending money on things that don't matter is that, hey, they don't really matter. And all of these thousands and thousands of dollars I spent on, I think three, probably more, three different websites of one version or another. And you know what? I never used a single one of them. I never did. And in the end, when I finally found my I finally found my groove. It, the, the website I ended up using was one I built myself. It was terrible. Nobody cared. I still got business. So anyway, that's number one thing I would do differently is to keep, keep hold of more of my money. The second thing I would have done differently is that I kept trying to please the masses. So, you know, visionaries, you can probably imagine how this goes as I I'm starting today with nothing, and then I see myself tomorrow with thousands of followers. And I kept trying to focus on those thousands of followers. And what I learned eventually was that, you know what, if I would have just found one or two people in those first days, and if you're more of like a product business than a service business, even just a small group of people, just find one or two people to serve right away. Do you know how much you're going to learn from those one or two people or that tiny group of people? And then you can take and wrap everything that you learn through that experience with that small group of people and then scale it. What a novel idea. So don't focus on the masses. The third thing I would have done differently is to really hone in on one or two things that I do really well and go from there. So I have my master's degree. I have my MBA. I spent 12 to 15 years in corporate America. There was a lot of things that I could do. And when I left corporate, I really felt like people wanted to hire me because I could do a lot of things. And what I found after a while is, of course, they want me to do a lot of things. 
But in the beginning, that's like feeding them through the fire hose, right? Like they don't know they need those lot of things. So let's just pick one thing I do really well. Let's, you know, secure some business using that one or two things I do really well. And then we can, you know, weave in some more things to that package. So that's another thing I would have done differently. And then the fourth thing I would have done differently is to not work for free or cheap. Now, I'm not saying never, because sometimes it's a really good idea to test things out. So I did a couple of free projects at the beginning, and I, I would still go back and do that again. But there were a lot of times where I just was so desperate for somebody to say, I like you, I want to hire you to do something for me that I significantly you know, discounted my services, and I would not do that again. And the the last thing that I would do differently is to really look rejection in the eye and say, I don't believe you. (laughs) I take rejection personally. I need to work on this really, like it's a continual process. But when I first started and somebody would say no, you know, that's not what I need right now, I would go back to the drawing board and I would rip everything out and start over again because I'm like, oh, this person didn't need this. So I must I I must be doing it wrong or I have it wrong. And that's not the case. I had, you know, there was a whole bunch of things I could have done differently at the time. But yeah, that rejection thing is something that I could have really used some thicker skin. But here's two things that I've done over the last 10 years that I think are kind of the reason I am where I am today. And I'm really, I'm really thankful for these two things. And I would do them again in a heartbeat. And I continue to do them today. And that is the first one that I would, that I look back and say, oh, yeah, I did that right. And that is to experiment. So I did experiment a lot over the years. And in fact, I started in marketing and I kind of gravitated towards this idea of the fractional CMO. And I just kept experimenting and kept experimenting until I am where I am today, which is when I recognize that I am a fractional integrator. And I tell the story of how I made that leap from the CMO to the integrator in Lindsay Johnson's podcast, and I think it's called Legacy Brand or something like that. Lindsay, please don't be mad at me. I can't remember the name of your podcast right now, but I will drop it in the show notes. So I did an interview with Lindsay talking about how I came to switch gears from CMO to integrator. The last thing that I would definitely not change is that I stayed in my own lane. And it was really hard because the market is packed with people that feel just like you. And you look at those people and you think, why can't I do what they're doing? You know, why does it seem so much easier for them? Why does it feel like we're all doing the same thing? And in fact, I actually went through all of my social channels and all of my connections and I removed anybody who I felt 
that gave me a bad feeling. And it's not on them, right? It's on me. It's like anybody who gives me comparisonitis, that's a sign that I need to just stop looking at what they're doing so that I can focus on what I'm doing because it's a huge distraction. I still do that today and I I highly recommend it. I, I made the most progress after I removed that distraction from my life. Okay, so we're not here to talk about me today. We're here to talk about you and the business blueprint and how you can use the business blueprint in your business to Well, let's talk about what you can use the business blueprint in your business to do. First, if you'd like to hit pause and head out to either the show notes or if you have the interwebs handy, you can go ahead and download the company persona worksheet that goes along with this episode. And that is at she-sweetboutique.com backslash business blueprint and you can follow right along with our our show today. So first, let's talk about what a business blueprint is. First of all, the business blueprint is a term that I made up all by myself. (laughs) So in actuality, the business blueprint is my version, things that I've curated over the years and found are really helpful or beneficial or really fundamental to understand about your business. I've curated them into one place. So a business blueprint is a is another way of talking about your business plan or your business strategy, or I also sometimes call it your company persona because the business blueprint is really what brings your business to life. And we talked about that in a previous episode of bringing life to your business. So There's other tools out there that are very similar to the business blueprint. You can find templates online. The Small Business Administration has lots of different options for templates for business plans, and that's fine. But here is where we're going to talk about why the SheSuite business blueprint is different. What is in the business blueprint? And as I mentioned before, one of the first things that's in the business blueprint is what I'm calling the company persona. The company persona is made up of your future vision. This is different than a vision statement because a lot of times a vision statement is very just intangible. So you read a vision statement and you don't really understand what it means. You can't articulate or translate that into like IRL in real life, right? So your future vision is translating your vision statement into real life. It's like giving you your long-term goals. Also part of the company persona is your purpose. So you see this future vision, but what is your purpose and getting to that future vision? How are you contributing to the achievement of that future vision through your business? Also in the company persona is your values. So we're talking about business values, company values, how you value your internal employees, and also how you value your customers. And we're having a an episode coming up in the next couple of weeks talking about a different way of approaching your business values. So they're actually very meaningful. The business blueprint also encompasses the brand strategy. It goes into depth on your ideal audience in a different way than you might be used to. 
And we finally land on the unique value. And there are tools within the business blueprint that kind of help us get to these different things of brand, ideal audience, and unique value. So that's what's in the business blueprint. Now, when your business blueprint is completed, there are some ways that you can use the business blueprint in your business. A lot of times, in fact, most of the times when I see businesses have a business plan, the reason they have this business plan is because somebody made them do it. So if you're applying for financing, for example, or you have been seeking venture capital, you have to have, they won't work with you if you don't have a business plan. And then the business plan gets tossed in a drawer never to be seen again. And that is really not beneficial or useful, would you say? I don't think so. So the business blueprint, it it has a purpose other than getting financing or venture capital. And the reason these financiers and venture capitalists are, are asking for the business blueprint is they want to see where you're going. That's the purpose that the business blueprint serves. It sets the direction of the business. Now, if you don't stick with that direction, there's some issue there, I would assume. The other thing the business blueprint does is it vets any kind of future decisions that you have to make, and it vets any new ideas. And so what I tell clients is, you can use this now to bump ideas up against. Are you thinking of expanding into a new market? Are you considering some product development? Come up with those ideas or come up with those decisions and throw them into this business blueprint. Does it fit? If it doesn't fit, then you have to ask yourself, is it a good idea? Or is there a chance we might need to modify the business blueprint? Those are both okay answers. The business blueprint also helps to give your team members context about the business. It gets everybody on the same page. If your team members are able to put themselves in the shoes of your business, hence the company persona, then they are better able to participate in executing the plan because they know where they're headed. And not only do they know where they're headed, but they know why they are headed there. So it makes all of that whole thing a lot easier. And as kind of a little sub bonus is that when you're hiring people, you can use the business blueprint to really dig into that new hire and ask yourself, does this person value the same things that we value? Do they understand our future vision and where we're going? And are they capable of participating in that? So there's lots of great things that you can use your business blueprint for as long as it doesn't gather dust in a drawer. I wanted to give you a specific example of where we have used the business blueprint recently with a client to make some decisions and spark some discussion about the business. So this particular client came to me, she was seeking some venture capital. And so we've got to get this business blueprint on paper. She had an amazing future vision. And her brand story was just spot on. It was all very clear. But then we get to the target audience and talking about the target audience and something is not right. The dots are not connecting. The people or the businesses or whatever, you know, this target audience did not fit the narrative 
of the future vision or the brand story. So there's a disconnect here. Why is that important? Because your brand story that you think you have is not going to resonate with this target audience. Another thing that we found is that when we really dissected the customer need based on the future vision and the brand story, this did not align with her purpose of the business, the thing that she's doing, the things she's offering. They did not align. If the customer doesn't need what it is you think you're selling, you're going to have a really hard time making sales. So the benefit in going through this exercise is we can find these things and we can fix them. And it can drive new decisions in the business. It can drive pivots. It can drive product changes. And it can drive team changes. And if we had not done this business blueprint, this particular person may have gone down this road of investing lots of money in this startup business and having it lead to nowhere. So to wrap things up, the reason I'm so passionate about the business blueprint and the reason that we require every single one of our clients, new clients, to go through this business blueprint is because it is not inconsequential. You cannot have a business, a quarterly or an annual business plan unless you have this business blueprint because we have no idea what needs to happen next if we don't know where we're going. It is not inconsequential. The business blueprint is something that needs to be used often. Revisit it every quarter. It is not something that is set in stone, but it is something that you need to absorb every quarter and and review and say, is this still correct? Is this still the direction we're going? Does everything still fit? And you can make changes. You can make changes to the business blueprint or you can make changes to the direction that your business is headed to make it align with the blueprint you originally set. Another thing I want to summarize here about the business blueprint is many times our clients tell us, I am just too close to this to see the big picture anymore. When you've been in the weeds in the business for so long, sometimes it's hard to pull yourself back out and be able to see that big vision. And so asking for outside perspective can be really helpful sometimes from somebody who hasn't been in the weeds in the business. And that's why we offer this business blueprint as a service. Okay, so keeping with the theme today of the business blueprint, I have a current event. And the current event I want to talk about today is my own business blueprint. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. So She Suite has a business blueprint, right? I try to make myself not be the cobbler's kids who have no shoes. So I try to force my magic on myself. So we have a business blueprint. And in my future vision, one of the lines says, Hello, Madam President. Because my future vision is about engaging more of the women's voices at the leadership level. And what higher level of leadership in this country than being president? And so everything that She Sweet does is in some way contributing to the normalization of women in leadership. So the other night when President Biden was giving his address to Congress, the picture that keeps getting shared on social media, in news articles, it's a picture of the president, and behind him 
are two women. One of them was Nancy Pelosi, and one of them was Vice President Kamala Harris. So this business blueprint that I wrote just a year ago, when I said, hello, Madam President, seemed like a pipe dream at that time. It seemed like something that maybe 10 years from now, we will experience this. And here we are already today with a woman sitting in the vice president's seat. And this is not meant to be a political thing. I don't care if the party is the tea party. I am just so thrilled to see women's voices and perspectives and techniques and all of those things that we bring to the table, see them being brought to the forefront where they have been missing for so long. And I'm really thrilled about that. And I look at my blueprint and I think, I got something right. I'm headed in the right direction. So that's my current event for today. And I want to invite you. I've been inviting people to join me on LinkedIn. It's where I hang out most often for business. So come join me on LinkedIn. I'm Casey Gromer. You can follow me. You can request to connect. But I'm going to try something new this week. I also, and I've debated about this, but I also have an Instagram account. And I typically use my Instagram account for stalking other people, but I also want to make it easy for anyone who's listening to this podcast to interact with me if you have a comment about something you heard in today's episode, if you have an idea for uh, some topic that you would like to have covered, I want to make it easier for you to connect with me. So you can go find me on Instagram at Casey underscore Gromer, and we can get connected that way. Don't forget to go rate the show. I'd really appreciate that. And thanks for joining me today. I don't want you to be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries. Honey, what is it that you wanted to tell our listeners today? Get out there and break some boundaries and do it for me and my generation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. If you enjoyed this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in? You can connect with me on LinkedIn using the link in the show notes. And until next week, don't be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries.